With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. At Jared, we know devotion isn't a once a year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted. Blog Talk Radio. edition of Troy Noons is an absolute podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casillo. Who else do we have on so far? I'm here. Hey. Sean's here. Hey, guys. How's it going? Well, before we jump into what should be a riveting episode, I um, wanted to give a shout-out to our sponsors, Audible.com. They're a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. And as we always remind you, you can listen to audiobooks wherever and whenever you want. And get a free audiobook when you sign up for a 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash noonsmagician. So go ahead and do that. But, uh, yeah, so I thought that yesterday, well, we'll all be listening to this on Wednesday. But I thought Monday was fun. Tuesday has suddenly become a lot of fun in the last about hour and a half, two hours. Holy moly. And, John, you are in a safe place, right? I, I'm in a very safe place. The curtains are drawn. Like that you know where the exits are. <laughs> I, I've identified the exits. I have the lights out. Uh, <laughs> I've not listed my don't address in any public place. Yeah, don't say anything more. Don't let people guess, especially not George McDonald. Don't let him know. Don't give any clues. I'm honestly just waiting for the Twitter message. <laughs> like... Is McDonald's just, like, holding court somewhere? Because there are still quotes coming out, and they've been coming for about an hour and a half now. I still don't understand who he's talking to and what <laughs> you know, what the forum is here. I, I still don't understand what's happening. Like, Brent Atts had quotes. Stephen Bailey's been shooting out quotes at a ridiculous rate. Um, a couple of the DO guys had quotes, but, like, two different ones, and they all were different. Like, I don't is is he on, like, a four-way phone call, and he keeps on, like, switching lines? Because it's unbelievable. Right. There haven't even been, like, cr- crossover quotes. Like, people aren't saying the same thing. He decided to have a roast on his way out. Because, let's, let's be clear, he's probably getting fired before the end of this week. I mean... <laughs> it doesn't look good. First, so, first things first, I feel for the guy. In that, I have been fired from a job before. I know that what that feels like. And to... For him, for that, you know, the any of these guys, when they get fired or demoted and it's on a national stage and you're you're just hearing from all these people about, thank God this happened, like, thank God this guy has been demoted, um, I get it. I, I totally understand why he would be, like, crushed and pissed off and, and want to just walk away. Um, that said, I am I, – I just figured – He's just going to put his head down, do his work, and then get the hell out of here as soon as he can because this is a guy who can go get an SEC job tomorrow if he wants to. So I don't think he really needed to do anything other than just do the work and then give a call to somebody. Um, Sounds like Mike Loxley is reaching out to him already, so he may even 
he may already have a gig waiting for him in Maryland for all we know. Uh, so to see him like making these comments just a couple days later saying if, if I would have known I was only going to get 18 games, I wouldn't, I would have never came here, um, you know, and, and saying all this stuff. Um, it has to be that he's, I just wonder if he's looking for a way to get out of here sooner than later. He actually just said, since this is all still happening, which is crazy because I feel like it's starting to sit, um, he just said that he does not have any plans to leave and hopes he's around the whole year, which obviously, I mean, if he had just said, I hope I get fired, I wouldn't even be that <laughs> shocked because of some of the things he's already said. Like, the, the Arkansas comment is insane. <laughs> um I, I feel bad, too, because obviously he didn't come here looking to, like, put together a really awful offense for Syracuse. Like, he, you know, he probably got his shot at his offensive coordinator a little earlier than than he thought he would or that anyone thought he would. Um, and he, you know, he I'm sure he worked really hard, as we all heard, and whatnot. But, I mean, to be fair, like, the offense in 18 games has had maybe six decent performances. Most of those were against bad teams. And the other, the bad performances are really bad. So I get some people saying they don't get why they did it mid-year, and that's fine. I think that's that's a conversation you can have. But it happened, and McDonald is going to coach somewhere next year, and I'm sure this won't have a huge impact on where that is. But you got to think that some head coaches who are like on the fence about whether they want to bring in George McDonald or someone else are like, well, if this guy doesn't get it done, he's going to freak out to the media. Um, yeah. And he's a great recruiter, but – and now, like, all we heard was that McDonald was best friends with everyone on the staff. And, it's, I mean, he's saying all these nice things about Lester, but he's basically thrown Schaefer, like, off, you know, under the bus, uh, saying that he and Schaefer's relationship isn't good anymore all of a sudden. Um, and Schaefer, you know, had to do what he needed to do for his job because, you know, it's, it's I wouldn't say he's on the hot seat by any means, but he's, you know, on that track based on the last three weeks. Um and McDonald, you know, nothing he's doing today can possibly help Syracuse football. It's just, it's, no. it's not good. <laughs> well, Syracuse football is his future job prospects. I mean, yeah, if Mike Locksley's getting in touch with him, great. But, like, I mean, no, no, I mean, just goes to show the state of Maryland athletics. Um, <laughs> if you just look at, like, and I had to throw some shade. Uh, but, like, no future employer, like, like, this is one of those internet videos where somebody decides to quit in, like, public fashion, like that JetBlue pilot or whatever it was. Like, like this seems like one of those situations. And I just, it's funny that he walks in to this job thinking, thinking, like, it's it's the only job other than Supreme Court justice in which you can never be fired unless you elect yourself to leave. I just, I, I've never seen anything like this. Also wanted to, before we get too more, uh, far into it, and to welcome Jared to the podcast. He joined us. Hey, hey fellas, can you hear me all right? <laughs> yep. Yeah, you're all good. Just figured I'd uh, figured I'd kind of cue you up before we started getting too far down the rabbit hole. I guess um, I missed something today because uh, it's <laughs> funny because you guys are talking and I'm like, oh, what's going on? Because I'm, you're well, showing me the news. And now, now you I'm, have not been on I'm, Twitter, have you? I've been. Um, uh, I I was on Twitter all day, obviously, and then once I leave work, I kind of like space out for a while. And then actually, I was watching The Edge of Tomorrow, so that's why I was a little late. I, I lost track of time. So <laughs> now I'm on Twitter now, and I was catching up by what you guys were saying. So this is quite entertaining. I'm really uh, I'm happy about this. Well, I'm not happy about what's going on, but this is kind of cool. It's funny because I think the Edge of Tomorrow could have also been titled Drive Eight. Oh, <laughs> where an offense keeps hitting the ball in the red zone and then kills itself over and over until it gets it right, and it just hasn't done it yet. Yeah, so we have, have a Photoshop contest on the site for like the best movie poster <laughs> about Drive Eight. So actually, so, I uh, want to throw throw a question out there. I was having a. Uh, a Twitter conversation with uh, Co-Type Forever, and it was actually a good conversation about, um, he was saying how, you know, like he just feels like it was kind of a sucky way that McDonald was demoted. And I, you know, I was kind of saying, well, you know, what's the, uh, what's the, what's the good option? Because if you, you know, there's no way to, to handle it and not have it be awkward and bad. Um, but to keep McDonald as the, 
as the offensive coordinator for the rest of the season just because, well, what else are we going to do? That just that seems even worse to me. So you might as well bite the bullet on this. And I'm sure I I'm thinking a lot of this probably has to do with. McDonald's been getting support from Schaefer the whole time because what else is Schaefer going to do? He's his boss. It's his job to motivate his guys. And he's probably been motivating McDonald the entire time, saying, like, you're going to get it, you're going to get it, you're going to turn it around, I trust you. And then, you know, the whole time in the back of his mind, he's probably saying to himself, if we don't, if we don't sort this out this week, i got to make a change. Like, bosses in every business do this. Like, everyone does this. And so, um, I don't know, I guess throwing it out to you guys, whoever wants to take it, like what what would have been the best solution, or is this still the best solution to the problem that was Syracuse football offense? Um, I think it's a little weird just because, I don't know, we don't really know the timeline of events here, but based on, on what we what McDonald said today, it sounds like Schaefer told Lester and didn't tell McDonald first, and Lester is the one who told McDonald, which is really awkward. And oh, if that's I didn't what see happened, that. It's not, like, definite, but, but I think McDonald, I had to find, there's so many quotes now from him, it's unbelievable. I've never seen so many quotes from an assistant in one day. Um, but McDonald said something like, Lester texted me, and I was like, what the hell happened or something. So, I mean, I could be completely, maybe he's mixed up on it or something, but if McDonald heard from Lester and not Schaefer, that's really bad form. But Yeah, that you, would I mean, be bad. Like, we, I, I said on Twitter earlier, like, there is precedence for an offensive coordinator being let, let go from his duties mid-season in '09 when Marone Marone was his first year. Uh, we had Rob Spence, who was kind of proto McDonald in that he threw a lot of bubble screens and didn't score points. Um, we let Spence go after that hideous Louisville ten to nine game. I think that's when it was. And the next week we upset Rutgers thirty-one to thirteen in the uh, Tom Savage uh, sacked every play game. And then the game after we got blown out by UConn, but we stored 31 points and put up like 500 yards with Marone calling the shots. So obviously we're playing a much harder team this week than those two, but there is like a, there is precedence for an offense getting better from a change of direction midseason. So I just want to throw this out there because I'm just seeing this. Uh, Coach Q, Quentin Hillsman, just tweeted, there is peace in silence. I'm not <laughs> saying, I'm not saying he's saying that about McDonald, but that's interesting exactly timing. What he's <laughs> exactly what he's saying. Exactly what he's saying. that often, so I'm assuming that's what it is. <laughs> well, when you look at you look at how this athletic department is built, though, it is very much built like a family, and, and everyone, if everyone doesn't know each other when they get in the door, they do know each other once they're in. You see a lot of support between teams and, and coaching staffs, and you know, like Hugh's a dedicated guy. Obviously, like, if Beheim was on Twitter, I'm sure he would have already unloaded on McDonald's. Like, like, at the end of the day, these are all Syracuse guys, either adopted or, you know, in Beheim's case, for life. Like, you can't start, because now at this point, what he's saying is harming the university, it's harming the athletic department, to have just this, wherever this open forum may be, uh, of just him just teeing off on, on what feels like the school, the coaching staff, the program, everything. It's it's tough to watch, and it's it's tough to to really understand how this person is going to be. When you look at all the employees of Syracuse University that do toe the party line, to see someone just step completely out and throw everybody under the bus is just so out of out of character of what everyone does at SU. Yeah, and there's Sorry, no problem with Donald being upset. Like he can totally be upset about this, and I'm, I don't blame him for any of the thoughts that he said. It's just very strange that he's put them out there to apparently every person in the Syracuse media. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm really, I'm, I'm just catching up now about what's going on uh, through Twitter. Good thing you can do this very quickly. Uh, and, you know, reading through what's going on and what he's saying is, and, you know, who knows how it actually went down. But I'm going to give, let's say, Scott Schaefer the benefit of the doubt in the sense that he, that McDonald didn't learn through Lester, which, I mean, obviously we'll, we'll learn more. But I would think that Schaefer would probably, or at least McDonald kind of knew what was going on. I mean, was, was he, do we all expect that he was that blindsided, like he had no clue whatsoever that Schaefer was unhappy with what was going on? Or was McDonald so blindsided or to the fact that he, he wasn't doing a good job? 
that he could possibly lose his job. I mean, I think this is the fact where he's now he's trying to, when it seems like, trying to make no excuses or he's just trying to cover his tracks because basically all he wants to do now is get out of Syracuse and find another job. Well, that's why I'm saying that I think the only reason, the only thing that makes sense to me is that Schaefer has been telling him, like, you know, like things that have made him feel positive, which maybe well, they weren't true. Right, you have to do that as a boss, though. Yeah, that's like, the thing. Like, even though that's not true, your boss is still going to do that. Well, I guess I guess my example was this, the same thing as like what's happening in Buffalo with the E.J. Manuel situation. It's like E.J. Manuel has been terrible for the start of the season. He was so-so as a rookie during his year. But I'm sure Doug Marone and Nate Hackett were like, you know what, you're doing a good job. You're doing. You have to stay positive with your employees because you know if they get any sense that you know, hey, the shot you're here on the shopping block, then obviously they're not going to probably they're going to probably fold instead of you know preparing as hard as they can. So now I think that's exactly what happened here. Is you know I'm sure Schaefer he's, he's a positive dude. I'm sure. He wasn't yelling at McDonald in the meeting rooms and telling him what he should do. Um, I'm sure he was positive, but get to the point where it just wasn't working out. I mean, it's been clear from the get-go of this season that it. I, and you know, John's pointed out many, many times, and I've watched the games. It's just it's the same thing over and over again. And eventually, I mean, even Nate Hackett was a guy who he tried to instill some things, but eventually he adjusted. He was. Able to like, you know, I got a guy, I got a running back, Jerome Smith. He's pretty good. Maybe I should feed him the ball like all the time, and maybe that will open some things up for Ryan Nassim. And that's really what happened. But you know, the last year that Hackett was here, but it just seems like McDonald has. He just thinks that it's it's the players. The players just continue to if they execute better, which you could argue that's the case. But we could also argue that they don't have the talent on this roster to do what he wants to do. So he's got to adjust. That's not no the players' fault. That's sort of it's his job to get the best out of his players, and he definitely has not been doing that this year. Personally, I just think that this is really, um, and Dan and I kind of talked about this on Twitter before the podcast. That this absolutely traces back to everything he said a couple of weeks ago in the article that I put up. Um, you know that from that was a reaction to his interview with Brent Dax, which was you know. George McDonald hears your complaints, hears them, and that's all. <laughs> like, as if he, as in he hears the words and, and does nothing with them. Because at this point, I think it's very, very obvious that this guy thought that he was doing an incredible job. That he did, that, that he was doing everything. You know, maybe he was doing everything he could, but he thought he was doing an incredible job. He felt like. He felt like it was it was on us a little bit. I mean, remember the the quote from the end of last year. I hear what you guys are. I hear what you guys say about me. Like he's. It seems that he's someone who hears all the critiques, and and then says, "Oh well, must feel like must be them because I feel like I'm doing great over here." Like, and you know, you guys brought up a good point there too. Like bosses are supposed to motivate their staff. Maybe he heard like maybe he heard Schaefer's praise as as, as just. Reality. I mean, I really do like Schaefer. I think he's a great person. I think that um, I think that he could motivate anybody to do anything. I mean, I was around the guy for for two hours uh, a couple of months ago and felt like the guy could have motivated me to do anything. Like that's what he does. So you know, maybe McDonald misread that, but whatever it may be, I mean, this is a person who whose stubbornness uh, now shows both on and off the field and. And again, I, I I don't. While I wrote the article the other day that I, I would like to see him around and help the wide receivers, um, based on today's comments, uh, that's no longer the case. I, I think before he poisons our entire recruiting class, I, I think it's time to shut the door. So here's the the concern: when he came here, there was a bunch of recruits who were committed to Miami or Arkansas because of him. And then followed him here, or or at least were you know interested in those schools, and then came here because of him, or were no longer interested in that school because of him. Um, I know right now it's all about the offensive coordinator and all that stuff, but 
he's so good of a recruiter, we have to consider the fact that, and I'm sure Schaefer, this has been a big issue for Schaefer that he, I'm sure he really struggled with because he really didn't want to have to do this, but we're going to lose McDonald, which means we're probably going to lose some of those recruits. I think that was always going to happen, though, which is the thing. Like, it's, McDonald wasn't staying after this year. Um, it, unless the offense had a really huge turnaround in the last seven games, like, he was literally, literally coaching for his job. He just happened to lose it before we might have thought he would. So if he was fired at the end of the season after a full year of offensive coordinator or demoted after five games, if those recruits are leaving because of McDonald, maybe there's a slightly better chance they like Syracuse more throughout the year. But uh, odds are we would have lost them either way uh, because McDonald is going to be here uh, in 2015. So it's unfortunate and it's disconcerting, but the only way we were going to keep them then is if we kept McDonald on for next year. And unless we were to really, really turn it around on offense with now a new quarterback in there for probably the remainder of the games, uh, that's, a, that's, a hard thing. that's a hard sell for me to believe that would have happened. Yeah, that's a good point, and I think um, I just think Schaefer has to look around and say. I mean, obviously, at the end of the season, we'll know more about Tim Lester as an offensive coordinator. But um, you know, I assume the biggest thing would be actually hiring a special teams coach. But now it, it's clearly got to be how do we find a recruiter who can replace McDonald? Well, it's interesting yeah, to me that Lester, at the end of the day, uh, I mean, how, can you really do you that? Really? I mean, you can. You could, you could hire someone, but I mean, are you going to do that in the middle of the year? I mean, that's that's, that's kind of tough to do. I think it's you don't really have to kind of write this out to see what happens. And I mean, you don't want to promise something to a good recruiter like we did McDonald and have that fall up in your face too. I think it's I think that was one of the things too that with the McDonald hire, we were all really excited. He was a great recruiter, and he had the possibility to be this genius offensive coordinator. But you know, that kind of backfired just a little bit. So I think. I think I think it's better to take it a little slow at this point. I mean, I understand that the recruiting season is coming up quick, uh, so that helps. But man, just the way we they Lee Schaefer handled the McDonald thing, just because he was a good recruiter, uh, is now it's backfiring in its face. That's for sure. Well, I just think I mean, the interesting a... thing here too is that that you know Lester is the recruiting coordinator, so. I, I also know that his ties are much more Midwest-based. So I guess to me, while I am concerned about the Miami kids, um, I do think that we have enough guys in the door. I think when you look at guys like Eskridge who can, you know, right away kind of point to, hey, like like whether it's, you know, while he's still on campus or while he's off campus already, he can talk to kids and be like, hey, I'm from your area. I came in. I did this. And there's other guys in the team who can also do that. I think that Lester's in charge of recruiting at the end of the day, and and while it may mean a, a slight hit to our to our prospects, you know, down in Florida, I, I think it could actually, you know, help us out in some ways. Having Lester completely dedicated, um, and, and now having you know another title behind his name to, to really help us in the Midwest area. So. I'm concerned, but I, I do think that, that early early signs point to at least um, keeping Alan Edward, which is good, I think, for the rest of the class. But, again, I know a lot's changed in the past few hours. I think, um, if I remember correctly, Lester's actually one of the other Florida recruiters, too. So, obviously, he doesn't have the ties that McDonald does, but I think he handles, like, Fort Lauderdale or something. So, I think McDonald was kind of like the closer in that regard, where when you're close with a kid, McDonald would go down and pretty much lock it up. But Lester definitely has, you know, he was coordinating the recruiting efforts, and he, you know, does have a background there. So I'm not too worried going forward. Well, there are other good recruiters out there, and I'd rather have a, a really great recruiter who might be questionable coaching at wide receiver coach than I would at offensive coordinator. Which is really someone brought this up somewhere. I think it was in one of the one of the noon comment sections, but I don't fully remember. But they said that when Schaefer was hiring, it was probably more of a risk than we like to admit bringing in an offensive coordinator without play calling and OC uh, experience. Because like if Bola just completely bombed out, Schaefer could always just take over the defense. 
like Marone did with Rob Spence, and, and Marone kind of helped Nate Hackett through the process of becoming a competent coordinator. Schaefer can't do that on offense. So it was always all up to, to McDonald. So I, I think we probably were a little, too, uh, a little less um, worried about that than we should have been because we were all enamored by the recruiting possibilities. That's a good point, yeah. Yeah, but Dan, do you think that was maybe part of the, the deal with McDonald that Schaefer did when he hired him was more a sense like, I'll stay out of your way if you come up here? Or was it, do you think it was more, McDonald's more enticed about just being the offensive coordinator? I, well, he had just taken that Arkansas job. And right. so I, I yeah, think like Schaefer knew he, knew he had to offer him something better than an SEC job, uh, you know, as in a wide receiver coach. And the only thing give him the offensive coordinator. Is that what we have to do now? Is that, I mean, because essentially we're going to turn towards, I think, no matter what Lester does, and I'm still willing to give him a chance here to work out as office coordinator long term, but um, in terms of where we look from now on, are we going to have, like if we're not willing to spend the money, and that's what it seems like we aren't willing to do, from a coaching standpoint, um, I mean, I saw the figure cited yesterday that, you know, our assistants make less than the women's lacrosse coach. Granted, that women's lacrosse coach is Gary Gates. But <laughs> moving on, like, you're – how do we – like, is the option either spend a lot of money for Syracuse or is the option, um, you know, give a guy who's never called plays before um, his shot to be a springboard? I mean, I don't – I'd rather spend the money because I don't want Syracuse to be to turn into a springboard, and I feel like the, the sort of hire that McDonald was more of those. Like, do feel like kind of turn us into that? I think there are plenty of like Mac level or Mountain West level offensive coordinators that are young and aren't go anywhere near becoming a head coach that run attractive, uh, effective offenses that we were trying to implement that we could go find one and give him a pretty substantial pay raise to come coordinate this offense. I agree. I agree, Dan. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I I don't think you really can protect Syracuse from ever being uh, anything but a springboard um, unless you – I mean, like we always used to say, unless you get a guy like Doug Marone – uh, and then he springboarded. So I, I just think, uh, you know, we're just, as a program, we're just in that level where you're always under the assumption that um, a guy is going to leave if things get good enough. And you know what? I have to say, as far as the last few years have gone, I, I'm kind of fine with that. Like, by all means, let's get an offensive coordinator who's who's so good that an SEC team or a, a pack a Pac-12 team wants uh, wants him to be their offensive coordinator. Uh, I'm all for that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think you, I think just like Dan said, I think you find a Mac or a, a Mountain West type guy who um, who can get a pretty substantial pay raise, and you, and then you know, Schaefer kind of has to let that that person run with it, and probably has to, you know, will we'll probably at this point have to say like you're definitely getting two years, you know. I mean, I don't know if you can make those promises, but, you know, that'll be the only thing. I think people will look at George McDonald and say, you only gave him a year and a half. How do I know you're not going to do the same thing to me? And I I don't know how you protect against that. Okay, Syracuse, I guess, speaking to the type of guys that Dan suggested we get, can we spend the money? Because, I mean, I want to, and I think we all want to, but, you know, we're not the guys running the books at the end of the day. I mean, is Syracuse University willing to spend? And, and Sean, you and I have gone over this in the podcast a while back of, like, when we eventually have to replace Bayheim if it's not an in-house guy. You know, college athletics have changed a lot around us in having a lot of longtime coaches. And I'm not necessarily sure if Syracuse is ready, even with ACC money behind them, if they're ready to jump in and spend boatloads on coaches. And, you know, I, I think that's going to be the big challenge and a big test for, for growth. Um, I mean, I think a lot of the guys on the site, I think we're all willing to we're all willing to give Gross a lot of credit for what he's done, and I think he deserves it. But um, I think we're going to have a really big test on our hands and on his hands. Uh, is he willing to, to put more money 
into these programs and more money into coaching in particular in order to, to help us, especially in football, get to the next level. That's yeah. a huge thing. Um, yeah, I, I think that's, I mean, I mean, other than, you know, building facilities, what Gross has done, I think spending more money on coaching, especially an offensive coordinator, is sort of a pipe dream, especially when it comes to the football program. Uh, I just I just don't see it. And I don't actually don't think that throwing money at the problem is what's going to solve it. Uh, I think you just have to be diligent. Which, I mean, let's just break this down. I mean, if we're going to talk about a – we hired Scott Schaefer after Doug Morum left. And I'm still on board with Scott Schaefer. I still think he's going to do a good job. He's going to go through some rough patches on the learning curves. I think he's going to be here for for a while now. I mean, we're all expecting this probably not to turn out well this season, but a lot of that had to do with a bad hire here or there or bad decisions or whatever it was. But for right now, Schaefer's worked out to be okay, and he's, we're not probably paying him top-notch ACC money to be a head coach. Um, but I don't expect Syracuse football, the football program to do that. Uh, I just don't see that being the, the solution to the problem is just throwing money at someone to come – Come over here to just about to do a good job for a season or two, and then leave. I just don't know if that's the the way that Daryl Rose is going to go about it. I don't expect him to. I think that if we ever want to become like a legitimate bid five, you know, contender, we're going to have to reallocate some of what we're now making from the ACC, and apparently the boatloads of money we're making from these MetLife games that are you know going to stop soon, but we still. You know, they're not taking away the checks. So, I mean, the coaching is a huge thing. Like, it, we we were got lucky here because we had a guy who seemed ready to make the jump to head coach that we could t- bring in for cheap. Um, and then he was able to bring in literally all people that were already his friends who maybe they took, you know, kind of sweet, like, sweetheart deals uh, because they wanted to coach with Schaefer. So, eventually, those guys are going to want pay raises, and we're going to probably want to be able to go get a guy who – has other big-time college off, uh, options. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the coaching salaries, we've been kind of lacking behind there as long as I can remember as a Syracuse fan. I know that was a big sticking point for the uh, for Pastelloni's teams, apparently, from what I've read, uh, through through Marone's. So we really need to step up in that, and that, that's regardless of this McDonald's situation. That's just something that needs to be done anyway, or else we were going to keep on losing guys to peer programs. And on that note, I guess uh, we have a little halftime. Uh, usually means beer around here, but I uh, also want to take the opportunity to uh, say hey again to our sponsor, Audible.com. Uh, Dr. Andrew's Absolute Podcast is happy to be sponsored by Audible. They're a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment, and they have 150,000-plus titles to choose from. You can listen to any of them on your device, whatever that may be. And, again, you can sign up at our URL, audibletrial.com slash noonsmagician, and get yourself a free audiobook and a one-month free trial of the service. Um, in honor of what's been going on the past few days, I have two books to recommend. The first one being Trainwreck, The Life and Death of Anna Nicole Smith, which <laughs> has nothing to do with the accused, but does have to do with train wrecks. Um, and then the other, actual train wreck, the Angola Horror, the 1867 train wreck that shocked the nation and transformed American railroads. So both of those, highly recommended if you want to read about train wrecks in one way or another. Uh, and, yeah. Now on to I beer. Like that. that was a good tie-in. <laughs> Quality job. <laughs> I was thinking to myself, I'm like, I don't want to talk about Florida State at all on this podcast, so... So how do I completely avoid them? And that, so uh, that, seemed to so I, that reminds me, I, I basically I wrote something up today where I basically just said, I actually don't even feel worried about the Florida State game because I'm just so, I'm just beyond, numb. yeah, I'm just like beyond even worrying about what's going to happen because it, it's such an assurity that we're going to not just lose, but it's just not even going to be a contest. I'm, I feel like, Emotionally, I am in the exact same place I am when the spring game happens, and that's exactly how I'm going at this game. And I was wondering how you guys feel about it. 
I'm kind of the same way. I, I've been, like, way calmer since this McDonald's stuff went down than I was after Louisville or, or Notre Dame uh, or right after the Louisville or, uh, or Maryland. I thought I said Maryland before. But after Maryland and Louisville especially, those were, like, some rough rough times, and especially being up there for the Louisville game. Um, but now, like, it almost feels like we kind of have the pressure off because there's a very good chance this turns into a pseudo-rebuild season. Uh if only be a Hunstone now, and when you lose your quarterback and you're, you know, kind of on teetering on the edge of bowl eligibility like Syracuse is, it's not exactly a great situation. So I'm way more interested to see how Lester calls an offense, how AJ Long looks, should he get in, how Wilson looks, uh, than I am than I was, you know, just hanging on the balance of every game. Uh, so hopefully we win six games and we can go to a bowl. But if not, like if we have if we see AJ Long and he's the real deal and Tim Lester looks like he has an idea for how to call a game, and maybe he can be the office coordinator next year. It's, it's you know, we'll we'll take it in stride. He's got XFL experience. I think we really need to note that. We haven't really talked that up enough. <laughs> what, what team does he play for? He was a Chicago enforcer. Oh, that's good. <laughs> he was not a Memphis that, I mean, maniac. That's quite. It wasn't about a what was it, the New York Hitmen or something? Yes, the, the New York, York New Jersey, Jersey Hitmen. Hitmen. Yeah. Were they were bad. Like they were a pretty bad team. I, I watched like at least two games. XFL gave us some good me. stuff. <laughs> we got Rod Smart. We got Tommy Maddox. These, these were people that were brought to our attention because of the XFL. This is true. I, I, I do have a couple questions about the Florida State game real quick, though. My first question is, do we get the same check that Citadel gets to play Florida State at home? <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I do want to know if we get that, because that's basically what's going to happen this week. I mean, literally, I mean, when it comes to, uh, I mean, what, James Smith is going to play like a, a quarter, and then it's just going to be a scrimmage for Florida State, and then they're just going to get all their backup times. And we should, I think we should get a paycheck from Florida State this week. I know we get a lot of ACC money. From but we do. But we get we get a paycheck from Florida State at the end of the year when they play in a big bowl game that we're never going to play in. We get to split yeah. that money. That's true. That does help. But it's not going to help us this week. I think maybe we can just if they can just cut us a check so we can go get an offensive coordinator. That'd be really helpful. And then I guess my other question is, I mean. Going into the, I mean, yeah, we overlooked this game. So it's like this is like the best scrimmage ever, right? This is the best scrimmage squad team we could, you know, that, that uh, Scott Schaefer could bring in just to like prepare for Wake Forest. So we're gonna do the two quarterback system, give it a good old tryout, see who's the best, and then we're gonna wig it, and then we're gonna go into Florida, Wake Forest, be like, hey, you guys played the best scrimmage team we could possibly play last week. Now we can just beat up on Wake Forest this week. So. I think it's going to work out for us in the long run. You know what this is? This When I was a junior in high school, we got a lacrosse program, and there were, I think, 45 of us on the team, and 44 of us had never played lacrosse before in our lives. And we, our first scrimmage was against Mountain Lakes High School, which is one of the top lacrosse programs in, the, in New Jersey. And I think... I don't think I don't even know if they kept score, but it was probably something like twenty to one at the end of it. And I just remember we were so excited when we scored that one goal. It was like the greatest thing that had ever happened. And afterwards, the coach like didn't even care. Like we we it like didn't even matter that they scored twenty points on us. And I actually I think I remember the Mountain Lakes guys like congratulating us on scoring that one goal. And and it and. And that's exactly how I feel about this game. It's like, it just doesn't even matter what Florida State does. They could score 80 points in this game, which they may. And it's almost like, it doesn't matter. Let's just work on our offensive sets. Like, can uh, Austin Wilson take a snap? Great. We we accomplished something. Can can A.J. Long complete a five-yard pass? Great. We did something today. Like, And that's that's just how it feels. Yeah, and, it, and yeah. it's just, wow. I agree. It's, I 100% agree. It's just a complete, I, it's not even a 180 from what it was at the beginning of the season. It's not even that. It's just like so far beyond a 180. It's just 
what, where we are now going heading into Florida State. I mean, you would have think like at the beginning of the year, even like a couple of weeks ago, that we were just, you know, we had we thought we had a chance, especially in the dome and homecoming, and you know, it's that's oh Syracuse at the dome. You just never know, you know. We've done wacky things before, and now it's just we're just completely hopeless right now. It's just so weird. See, but it's an, it is an opportunity, and and to me, it's you know, we said like it, it's playing the best practice spot possible. To me, I mean, this is pretty much like starting up Madden and like creating your entire an entire team of 99 overall guys and taking all the rules off. I mean, this, this is an open canvas for this team. There's no hunt. There's no McDonald's. This doesn't even have to be indicative of anything we do for the rest of. The rest of the season, and no, I'm not. I'm not entertaining the idea of an upset, but I will entertain the idea of a game closer than we think it's going to be. Because I mean, this team has literally nothing to fear. Like, screw it. Like, yeah, but, hit the but, yolo, John, hit the yolo button and just throw talent. the ball around the yard. <laughs> there's no, there's no talent on this roster right now to even think. Unless Sean Davis somehow ends up with, like, five forced fumbles and recovers all of them and returns two of them for touchdowns. There's just no talent on this roster right now that could even match the Florida State's second or third stringers right now, right? I mean, we only have maybe one or two guys that may play on the Florida State squad as a starter, maybe. Riley Dixon. Riley Dixon absolutely start for Florida State. Florida State's punter is... I always I laugh out loud every time I see a Florida State Twitter person complain about their punter because it's so <laughs> funny how how worried they get about their punting being bad, and it's really bad. They don't How many times do they punt a game? Not that many, but it's it's it's, uh, it's an it's a a whole thing when they have to punt. Like you don't know that ball, is just you don't know what's happening with it. It's like the greatest. I think they had a really bad punt Clemson that almost tossed them a bit. I, I can't remember specifically, but I, I feel like there was a bad punt in that game. I also yeah, have bad news court. about uh, I have bad news about Tim Lester at SFL quarterback. Uh, I'm on the Chicago Enforcers Wikipedia page, and uh, the third paragraph of the 2000 I don't know why it says the 2001 season as the header because there was that was the only season, but um, it's in the third paragraph. Uh, it says the the Enforcers got off to a slow start, losing their first four games with Tim Lester, who prior to joining the SFL was as frequently noted a math teacher at starting quarterback. In week five, the team replaced Lester with former Notre Dame quarterback Kevin McDougal, and the team went five and one the rest of the season. Right, right. Is that so? Kevin McDougal from Notre Dame. I, I don't even remember him. He was the he was the quarterback, and I'm sorry that I know this. He was the quarterback after Ron Powis that year that they beat Florida State and then lost to Boston College. Uh, the first yeah. Notre Dame quarterback of my uh, college football like life of, as, a, as a fan of the sport was Carlisle Holiday. So anything before him, and that isn't like actually is important, which is pre, you know, pre-holiday. Most of the early 90s in Notre Dame. So, yeah, yeah you know what? I'm, I'm looking at Tim Lester's Wikipedia page now, and, and yeah, he was he was a high school, he was at a high school before the, right before the XFL. He was a, he was a high school offensive coordinator. And yeah, he must have gone from that to so they left that part out that he was coaching the football team conveniently yeah. but uh yeah, but, yeah that, that that's seems more relevant <laughs> <You're> right yeah <laughs> yeah i'd also not, like to uh, note that if uh if this is a clemson podcast and we were calling them the best possible stout team oh my god <laughs> their on twitter would be unbelievable i i can't believe how predictable they are with this whole petrino uh it's a, the carrier dome being as loud as Death Valley thing and how offended they are. Oh, it's, it, well, it's, it's that, but also I was at the Terrier Dome, and while it was not nearly full, it was really loud. Like, it was a, one of the not, – not one of the louder games I can remember because I was at all the, the games with, like, 45,000 people and stuff in the last couple of years. But it was pretty loud. It was easily the loudest 30,000-person game I've been to. I, everyone there was really into it. So, you know, I think Death Valley will probably be louder just by sheer numbers. But – like, get over yourself, Clemson. You haven't won anything in 30 years. Well, you know what it is. The reason people are so offended by it is because they, all they remember is that photo of the Dome before the game when it was totally empty, 
and everybody thinks that's how the how it was the whole time which you know that that's that's one of those things not even a Syracuse thing but just like a college football thing that annoys me now the whole like let's take a picture 5 minutes before kick and look how empty the stadium is thing when it because never looks ev- as bad as it actually is like, no and every stadium looks like that every stadium right. except for like seven schools looks like that well yeah and like white college can actually get in the seat like pre kickoff like not many i mean that even goes for like any sport i mean you have your diehards that are there like me i go you know i'm and see if I go to a game, I'm there like 45 to a half hour before the kickoff. But most fans, like it's 12, if it's a nooner, their heads are like at the gates at noon. So it takes them a while to get to their seats when everybody's trying to get in. Yeah. And I don't want to get, I don't want to like be a Clemson, be Clemson-y about it with Syracuse. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's hysterical. And I, I can't wait for them to somehow like get offended with us for Petrino's comments. Like I guarantee you somebody's going to be like, Oh, you guys think the carrier dome's louder than death Valley, huh? I, I know <laughs> that's coming. It. I know it's when coming. the carrier dome is full. It's probably louder than it death probably Valley. is louder. Sorry, yeah. You're I'm right. 1998. I dare you to find a louder stadium. I mean, it's place does rock when it's full. I mean, I've been there when it's that loud and it's one of the most, impressive places to be. That's why everybody talks about it, you know? Like talking to Lot House and, you know, when they cram, you know, 30-plus thousand in there for basketball, when a cr- crazy play happens. I mean, that place is, wow, you can barely even hear the guy next to you if you're sitting there. I mean, I, yeah, obviously it doesn't happen a lot, but, yeah, it's it's a lot. It's in a freaking dome. That's what happens. <laughs> so I've been there for some bonkers games. I mean, mostly basketball, but, I mean, I even remember, I mean, the Iowa game – Christ, we won't talk about that much. But, I mean, the Iowa game was still, I mean, mostly full. We were, we did actually look like we could be competent that year. I mean, we weren't. But, and I, and I know I said this in my response about, like, my first game at the Dome. Um, but, like, I was ready to rush the field, and so was everybody else. Like, that place was deafening until we finally realized, oh, wait, Greg Robinson goes to this game, and we're going to, screw up seven straight tries from the one-yard line. Like, when that building's full, you know it. Unfortunately, though, there's the, the flip side of that. When that building is empty, you're also well, well aware of the fact. Oh, yeah. I also think it's just weird that Clemson seems to, like, really be into the whole, like, it almost seems like they want to, like, haze the new schools. So they got really pissy about us last year and now Louisville. And Florida State just doesn't seem to care. Like, Florida State fans, they're, they're insane on Twitter. But, like, in general, when they actually take the time to come to your site and stuff, they're all really cool because I guess those are the non-insane part people. But Florida State doesn't seem to have this whole, like, kiss the ring thing going on while Clemson's just so desperate to do it. And, and I always say it comes back to – Yeah, I mean, it just comes back to Florida State fans are very secure in their place in the hierarchy, and Clemson fans aren't because they haven't won anything yet. They, you know, they're they're a great program. They win ten games in a season. They go to big bowl games. They're doing great, but they're not at Florida State's level. They're not at Alabama's level, and they really, really want to be. And they get pissed off when they have when someone dares to challenge that they're not. And I, I, they can deny. You know, I've had Clemson fans tell me that I'm making that up, and I'm I'm sure not all of them feel that way, but. I ha I just am pretty sure that's the undercurrent of this whole thing. Well it's happened a little bit, doesn't it? Times in a row. Like, not to hate on ourselves, but this does sound everything you just said, John, does sound very, very yeah. familiar. Oh, and, and I, I think I've said too, yeah, it's a, I know it because I recognize it as a Syracuse basketball fan. Right, yeah. <laughs> We're, we're somewhat getting there, too, though. Like, these basketball, I mean, even a couple of years ago, I remember we were having this discussion with Syracuse fans, the basketball-wise. But Syracuse is creeping closer to that elite status just because we're there every year. Um, and we've reached the Final Four in the last, you know, couple of years. Or, I mean, it's getting harder and harder to win a national championship in basketball. Uh, you know, UConn will say it's the easiest thing in the world, but uh, we know how that works out. But with them, they think everything just comes – that somehow everything falls in their laps, but no, it's just yeah, it's just the way like Sean said, it's 
it's you, you try so hard and you put so much effort being a fan, and you know, Hundreds has had so much talent, uh, and they just haven't been able to you know get over that top with you know Florida State and all that. It's just, oh, but they are ridiculous and they're fun though. They're 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 good folks to pick fun of. So fun stuff. They're uh, Donald. Feedback has now gotten to where he's quoting Psalms. I saw that on Twitter. Oh yeah. I, I asked I asked Stephen Bailey if this is all still happening live, and he said no. He's just got like forty pages or forty minutes worth of notes that he just can't keep up with. He's just tweeting out as he can. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Now, this is this is from him talking to the media earlier, or was he? Now, see, there's a video up. Is this all from what he was saying to the reporters earlier? Or is it I'm still it? not like sure. I, he had to just like, be holding court. They, they had Lester on a while ago, though. Like They talked to Lester this afternoon. I don't know when McDonald just like popped out, because it, it couldn't have been, unless everyone just went back home and started tweeting. Like It seemed like it was at like 6 or 6.30 when this started. Well, QStation.com has a video. I haven't watched the video yet, because I've been on with you guys, but... Uh, uh, Mike McAllister has a video of McDonald. It says McDonald responds to the motion. So I don't know if everyone was there listening to it, or he was. He said something initially, and then now it just continues to talk. It's, but I guess I'll find. We'll find out after we get. Everybody will find out tomorrow when we're still talking about this. It's. Uh, just, I don't I, know. I would like to say I'm going to write up something about Tim Lester for tomorrow or today if you're listening to this, and I have found his XFL playing cards, and uh, they will be involved. Oh, that's awesome. How much do you think those would go on eBay for? Uh, I think eBay may reject them. (laughs) I think eBay says, no, we're good. You were talking about uh, Lester and the XFL. Uh, Has anybody seen that new show, the Fourth and Loud show with uh, Kiss? In the uh, Arena Football League and stuff like that. No, I have, I have not. I know that they have the Arena team and they have like the ridiculous jerseys and things. But well, the, the re- only reason why I mention it is because they have that quarterback. They have a quarterback on the show, which I don't have watched. His name is JJ Rhetoric or Rhetoric or something like that. And like it was, his story is like almost the same thing as like what last year did. It was like he was a high school and like this quarterback has like a real job and he was trying to decide whether or not to stay with his real job or, like, once he got traded from the kiss or something like this. And you're watching the show, and you're just like, dude, just just state your job. Have a real job. It's, it, don't you want to be the quarterback for the kiss franchise, you know? So I was just wondering what, like, Tim Lester was going through while he's trying to figure out whether or not he should uh, hang on to his dreams and play for the XFL. If you check Twitter, you guys now know the answer to the eBay question is 99 cents. <laughs> I love the font. That is fantastic. We need to. That needs to be a Syracuse poster with a fire and all that. Oh, that actually looks so like awesome. uh, the kids' uniforms. The the fiery background. Fantastic. That remembers me of the uh, the world football training cards I used to have as kids. <laughs> which which before that was like the. Uh, the European NFL and they had the NFL Europe. It was like it was before the yeah. NFL Europe took it over. The uh, what was it? The the Claymores, the Scottish Claymores. Oh yeah, and, yeah. Uh, the London Monarchs. Or the Rhine Fire. Oh my, like, oh my God! Rhine Fire. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's got to be one. a market for that. Like I know the XFL fell, but there's got to be a market for like just a terrible football. Like league that we all can just sit down and watch, like, like just have it be like, uh, what is the show on HBO now? Like Hard Knocks, just have it like Hard Knocks every week. Every Hard team has a camera. Oh. Who's in? in this second part of the Netflix hasn't that. picked up Hard Knocks, to be honest. One of the second like oh. kind of looks like uh, Ethan Hawke from the middle of Boyhood. <laughs> Oh man, why did we not go looking for Tim Lester XFL cards before this? <laughs> why did there be any of them? There's a poster like, too. Oh no, no, it's a card. It's an eight, is, eight of like, eight. I, I don't even know what up, this is. I'm looking up the seller. Like, why do you have thirty Tim Lester XFL cards? 
<laughs> wait, 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 wait. That begs the question. Is that Tim Wester selling these? Someone else said he's paying so little for their coordinators. This is oh. amazing. I'm so glad we did this. <laughs> this is awesome. It makes me feel so much better. The, the, the comments on Twitter are sweet, too. There are at least five Tim Lester cards, like not all different ones, but there are at least like five separate Tim Lester cards being sold. So One thanks for tuning in to the Tim Lester eBay uh, podcast. <laughs> welcome, <laughs> welcome to the hobby XFL podcast. <laughs> oh, man. Dan, this one you just tweeted out is like a mugshot. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> I'm going to see if there's any George McDonald cards now. Now, like, Tim Lester in this one, like, I, I like Tim Lester, but I feel like in this picture he's, like, auditioning for white, like, white man can't jump for maybe, like, you know, the uh, revitalization of uh, New Kids on the Block. Like, this is, that's some aggressive, like, facial hair he's got going I wouldn't, George I wouldn't McDonald is not of any playing cards. Therefore, I think the uh, decision to, to strip him of his duties is, is validated. I think that should be a requirement at this point. Oh, my God. I'm so glad I looked. Um, so, yeah, I would, that's where we are. That's where we are as a program. <laughs> I want to know, know if... Uh, if Dirt Wells, they were taking the photos, was it like, because well, there's a couple where it looks like it's pretty staged, so they're just like, all right, Tim, we need you to act like you're handing off. All right, Tim, we need to act like you're dropping back. All right, there we go. We have to stop. See you later. I love, I love that. I love there's a card of him doing a handoff. He's <laughs> <laughs> just a day manager, guys. He just, he just so he's a winner. It, but it, it's an extreme handoff. That's what makes it XFL. Wait, is he, left, is he left-handed? Lefty? I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah, no. oh, no. yeah, because the one where he's handing off, he's handing off with his right hand, which would make him a lefty, right? But the other and one, the, he's <laughs> the other one, the other one, he's throwing with his right hand. Maybe he's an ambidextrous quarterback. <laughs> oh man, only in the XFL. I looked up George McDonald, Illinois, on eBay, and one of the results was a George Foreman sign. McDonald's cheeseburger wrapper. <laughs> Going for $199 or best offer. <laughs> oh, God. I'm listening. We really, we've really fallen down the rabbit hole with this program. Like, we... <laughs> I don't even know. This is this is pretty much how, like, this podcast at this point is basically how the Syracuse offense has looked inside the 30. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you see that on the back of the card is nicknamed the submarine? What? Yeah, Tim Lester's name was nicknamed. XFL defenses will know will know him as Submarine. Like that was his nickname. What does I that even mean? Underhanded. <laughs> and why is no one asking him this? <laughs> oh my god! Which one is this? The third card? This is the one where it's got the two pictures of him, and he's dropping back the pass. Go all the way down. Bob, oh, the first one, okay. This is an exciting podcast. Go all the way down. The oh, I didn't. There, this is great, the great radio. He was drafted 41st overall. In the XFL? It, in the XFL? I didn't know they had a draft. Yeah, 41st. 41 I thought he just people. showed up. Every time I try to copy the just the image of the back, it keeps on trying to make me save the photo. Like they don't want me printing out my own Tim Lester. Uh, they, I don't know. I don't know what they're <laughs> too <talking> valuable. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, like, he, like stock paper like operation in his house. On the back it says, "Last season, watch. Last season he was doing high school math. This season, watch him take on defensive backs." SFL defenses will know him as a submarine. He ran. He can go deep on you in a hurry. <laughs> Easy. Easy. Yeah, calm down, XFL. 
<laughs> Are you going to put an explicit tag on this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> and with that. Hold on. <laughs> 17 stool records while at Western Michigan op- opponents. This isn't even a sentence. Picking Western Michigan opponents apart, including Florida, whose vaunted D he torpedoed for 405 yards. They're really, they're really making the submarine thing happen. I mean, oh, if you I believe it, it's long this. enough. All right. So, uh, I guess with that, any, any any parting shots? Anything we need to we, we need to get out before before we wrap this thing up? I know we've really unloaded it on McDonald, and I think we we have provided a ringing endorsement for, for Tim Lester. But um, is there anyone here who thinks that George McDonald will still have a job come Saturday? Hmm. I assume so, but he didn't make it easy on himself today. I say no. Yeah, I mean, like my first my first reaction was to say he will, but as I think about the things he said today, those are the things that a person who wants to be fired says, and so I think he and Schaefer have a cordial sit down at some point either this week or right after the game and say he's stepping away from the program. And, man, it's getting November in Syracuse. Heck, yeah, he wants to get out of here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He can go recruit kids in Miami right now. He doesn't need to be in Syracuse. Yeah, he, who was that? The uh, Donald ever pulled was making you think he'd be around for two winters in Syracuse. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a, a special assistant job opening up somewhere uh, down south for him any day now. Yeah, he's a, uh, I mean, in my book at least, saying, hey, like, Marilyn reached out to me and now I'm going to talk a bunch of shit about Syracuse. To me, it sounds like somebody's leaving, especially when you look at Maryland and their inability to use their very talented receivers. Uh, this kind of seems like a no-brainer for them. Um, and it seems like a no-brainer for us to just let them walk. Uh, I guess what I want to see, though, I mean, you can't you can't put together any um, you know non-compete clauses in terms of recruits, obviously. But um, I, I do think at this point he's poisoned the well, and there's just too much going on. Um, there's too much going on to have him stick around any longer. And I think if we don't see an announcement by tomorrow, it'll it'll try to be buried by Friday midday. Uh, by the athletic department in a release. Start taking bets. <laughs> uh, well, all right. <laughs> on that side. <laughs> on that note, I can't even comprehend um, what just happened. All you have to do that is, note? when you write up the recap tonight, just. Just make sure everybody schools up on the Tim Lester XFL curse because that makes it much oh, more no, the, the links will be there. I might actually just take a screenshot and use the uh, photo. I might buy one. <laughs> that would be awesome. If, if we could get that and have um, have Sean F. go there and have him sign one of those, that would be fantastic. How much would that be worth? Sense. What else am I going to do? <laughs> what else are you going to do with it? <laughs> Frame it, obviously. All right. So, thanks for joining, guys. This is a this is a great way to to not talk about Florida State and to really have a good time with with all the all the terrible things going on with this program right now. Um, as always, it's a pleasure. But uh, everyone, thanks for listening to us as well. Uh, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on Blog Talk on iTunes. It actually does help us out. And also, if you want to be a pal, head over to audibletrial.com slash newsmagician. Find yourself an audiobook. I'm sure there's something that you like, if not two of the suggestions we made today, something else. Anyway, um, I'm John. That was Sean, Dan, and Jared. And uh, go Orange. Go Orange. Sorry. Go Orange. At Jared, we know devotion isn't a once-a-year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. 
dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted. At Jared, we know devotion isn't a once-a-year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted.